Oh, I got his ass now. My bottle got stretched a little bit. You have to be fast in the track. I'm about to light this shit up. Show 50, the big 5-0. The big banger 50 show. Halfway to 100. How does that feel? Dude, halfway to 100. Halfway to 100. I know, 50 shows? Man, that's a lot of shows. We're getting we're getting pretty official here, pal. We might get to 100 pretty quick with doing two a week also. Uh, what kind of banger of a show are we going to do for show 50? Like, we, I'm thinking we do something huge. We need uh, guests in studio. Like, We all have to be in studio for the show 100. Who are we going to... We need to like either fly ourselves somewhere or fly in somewhere or fly people in. Sorry. I'd love to fly in someone for the show hundred. Gosh, it'd be so much fun. And by that point, we're going to make sure it's live. Like we're going to have guests listening and calling in. That'd be, that'd be so fun. Yeah. We need to do like a real, like a big banger guest or two for a hundred and then just have like a round table in person live show. Just chatting shit. That'd be so much fun. But we thought for show 50, we'd get a big guest. That's why we got big Dave, David Herman, AKA the Hermanator on the show. It's going to be cool. He's, he had such a good career and uh, he's been retired for a few years now. So it'll be interesting to hear what he's been up to and get into all things his, his career because he, uh, he accomplished a lot in his career. Yeah, he really did. I was a big Herman fan just because he's such a powerful starter and he wasn't a big guy. Dude, such a horse. He was so yeah. fast. He's, he really was. Like, hey? Especially on flat hills from like the bottom of the hill to the first jump, he'd pull on the flat so hard. Yeah, like somewhere like DeSoto. He was like a DeSoto specialist there. And then on the Supercross Hill too, if he got to the kink clear, he was just gone. That's what I found funny. Is like a lot of times I feel like I like decipher people as being like a really good small hill rider or a really good Supercross Hill racer. Like, But Herman was like seriously so fast on the small hill, but he had some unreal like hole shots on the, uh, the Supercross Hill as well. Yeah, he won his two World Cups from lane six and eight. So what does that tell you? I mean, he just knows how to get he, out. <laughs> he won from eight on a little indoor track, and then he won from six in Frejus, which was a pretty small first straight too, or pretty short first straight, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, like 2014 Worlds, he was in the final there. He got out good, and he was like, what, mid to outside as well. Yeah, he cut me off instantly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, like I mean, right out of the gate. I'm about to light this shit up. Yeah, he just he worked me out of the gate. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, he was, it was interesting cause he had such a low pedal, but he still like, he got it around fast enough that he still popped it off like really hot. He had his own form too. Mm-hmm. And they say golf. Get your gate, baby. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Get your gate, swing your swing, get mm-hmm. your gate. Mm-hmm. It works. It worked for him. Yeah. Like we always talk about there's guidelines for the start, but then you also got to just find what works for you. Yeah, you really do. Hey, you really just got to go. I was doing that today, to be honest. Yep. I was out doing some training, doing a little, like some starts on the single man gate. And I was trying to correct a few things at the beginning. And then I was like, okay, I'm trying to do something that's not me right now. Like, I can't correct this right now. I got to correct it in my sprints. So I went back to just doing my gate and times were dropping after that. Yep. Progate Europe winning starts the great gate in Rotterdam on the Progate Europe. David Herman had a great start. Yeah, he really did. In the world's final. Actually, my dad was just watching it this morning. I think BMX Live was playing it or something. How cool is it having all these like replays of uh, all the World Cups and all like the past big races? It's pretty cool. Yeah, and dude, USA BMX. My parents told me the other day. Uh, oh, Savvy's calling. Well, Savvy's just oh, gonna Savvy. have to wait. Savvy's just gonna have to wait for now. Savvy, you gotta wait because we have another uh, show we're going on right now. It's a big one. Yeah, Savvy's just gonna have to wait for now. Um, yeah, you know, my parents told me USA BMX posted uh, <laughs> the video of me, me, Connor, and Corbin at the 2007. 
USA BMX oh, yeah. Grand Nationals. Yeah, so I won. Corbin got second. Connor got third. I hadn't watched that video. I don't even remember the last time I watched that video, but it was kind of funny to watch all of us as 15-year-olds. Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. I was watching it. I watched it, yeah. I didn't even realize it was you at first until, like, the second time I watched it, and, they, like, I obviously heard your name in there. I was like, wait a second. That's Tori? <laughs> I know. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, we also got motorsheets.com on board for the show again. So, uh, all you guys know, we've said it enough times. If you need any... Uh, timing systems, any scoring systems, you know, Motorsheets has it all. So uh, to get your uh, timing and scoring needs made easy, visit Motorsheets.com, guys. There you go. And merch. So we've had some people buy merch. So we dropped uh, merchandise last Wednesday. Um, yeah, we've, a lot of people have bought merch so far. So it's pretty cool to see people with merch. Coffee it's chatter sick, merchandise. Eh? Yeah. I can't wait for people to post about it so we can like see it all and hope everybody likes it. And Ashley Turner uh, bought the blanket. Someone bought yes. the blanket. Shout out to Ashley buying the blanket. I know. Yes. <laughs> it seems like the uh, it. the travel mugs and the regular mugs are a hit, as well as uh, the phone cases. Yeah, those seem to be the two big sellers. Hey, the travel mug is really good, actually. It seems really good. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I'm gonna start using yeah. one too, but because I need a new travel mug. Um, yeah, but yeah, thanks people for supporting us and getting some merchandise. It's the links in our bio as well as I put it on in my Instagram bio as well. James, is in yours? Mm, I think so. Um, so if <laughs> not, yeah, either Coffee Chatter or my bio, um, the link's there if you're looking for some Coffee Chatter merchandise. Yeah, so check it out. I in the works of trying to get some more designs too to get some more merch out too. Because yeah. now that we have this up and running, it's a lot easier for us to get some new designs and uh, get new kind of t-shirts and mugs out for you guys. Yeah, and if you get some merch, send us a, a photo of you with it and we'll repost it. We'll be, uh, we'd be we'd love to see you guys with merch. So uh, yeah, send us a photo and we'll happily post it for you guys. We want to see you enjoying your merch. Anything to stay entertained during these quarantine times. Seriously, right? Seriously, right? Oh my gosh. Oh, speaking of which, I had so much fun. So today I put out that, vi- I post that video on Instagram of me, whatever, working out with my Toyota truck. Me and my dad yeah. and my sister's boyfriend, Colin, we had so much fun filming it. <laughs> dude how big of a team player is my dad he like i told you before he, you're, when your parents are in the videos they just make the video oh my god they're so like, hilarious they fully get invested <laughs> dude, in they, just, they play their role oh it's so good like so when my dad came outside helped me film the stuff with the truck and whatever we did we did a, we had to do some of the stuff like a bunch of times with angles and whatever <laughs> well, my dad is such a team player and then i go inside and i film like his parts dude he nailed it first try like I burst out, <laughs> I burst out laughing the first try. We I the first time I filmed his like first speaking part or whatever, yeah. um, was like, "Hey, Tori, where are you going?" or whatever, dude. He nailed it first try. I just burst out laughing because it was literally perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Like he didn't half-ass it or anything. Like he showed him like emotion. It was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> just a real actor. Oh my god, I know. I need I need to I need to do some more of those and get my dad in, in some more. Oh, that's so funny. He's hilarious. I love your dad. I know. So good. Um, Full factory, Greg. Full factory, Greg. I know. So that was fun. That was my first quarantine. Yeah. I'll probably do another quarantine video. But yeah, that was a, that was a fun one to do. That, is, that, sounds, that was pretty good. They're yeah. pretty entertaining. I know. I mean, what else so. we got to do right now besides create some content? I know. I, I have not done anything. I haven't done any of that creating stuff. I've been on just the watch zone. I've been watching everybody else's content. I got a good idea for a photo for Thursday that I might post. So stay tuned. Okay. I look stay forward to it. tuned. Um, we need to give the update quickly Uh, we realized we had an issue with um, Riley House's show, show 45 and show 48 which was the quarantine show somehow, we don't know how but uh, when you were clicking on Riley's show last week it was uh, coming up as show 48 
Really weird. N- literally, I have no idea how that happened. I went, we went on, yeah. in, went on Instagram this morning and someone messaged. I can't remember who messaged, but thank you for messaging, yeah. messaging, us, messaging us and telling us. For some reason, the quarantine show also got copied to Riley House's show, 45. And so if you listen to Riley's show, it was just the quarantine show, 48. Literally, no idea how that happened because the Riley show has been posted for weeks now. Yes. Like, I, I seriously don't even understand. What, how did it glitch that hard? I have no clue. Literally yeah. no idea how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got uh, <laughs> I've seriously zero idea, but we no just, idea. we re-uploaded Riley. So Riley's uh, show is fine now. Yeah. Um, so no need to panic people. No need to panic, you. but please Tech people, on if it. you guys ever notice something like that happening, just message us. We'll happily change it. Cause that's the last thing we want is something like that to happen. Yeah. True that. Um, news go for it, James. Well, I've just, I wrote this in there today for the show, but I just read BMX News wrote in UCI uh, has wiped off all the Supercross races for the 2020 season. Um, I think we kind of already knew that all the, all the races were postponed, all the World Cups were postponed. I don't know if this means that they're not going to happen this year, if that's what the, the news means, um, or if they're just summing up the, the news we already know. But I wouldn't be surprised if they just took all the World Cups off the schedule for this year. I didn't. I was doing a bunch of stuff today, so I didn't get to see that. But they said they canceled them all, or they're not happening this year at all. Uh, well, they've all been postponed separately, yeah. like and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, BMX News just put out just a quick story that says UCI postpones the rest of the 2020 Supercross season. Um, and the way it was written, I wasn't sure if that meant like it's not going to happen at all, or like I said, if they were just summing up the news we already know. I would say that um, just summing up like postpone means they could maybe they could happen in the fall or something. It seems like that, but yeah, we could be sounding extraordinarily ignorant right now. And like all our other shows, like we're like a day behind news somehow. Somehow we're going <laughs> to, there's something's going to come out as soon as we're finished the show. And we're going to be like, what the hell we're behind the times. But speaking of which official date for the Olympics came out today. Yeah, that's That's big news. Hey, eh? July 23rd, to August 8th. When was it? Uh, when, when was it supposed to be this year? Uh, I could tell you the exact date if you really want to know. Was it was a little um, bit later in the year, wasn't it? Uh, a little bit. It was. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be around end of July, beginning of August. So actually, it's a, pretty much the identical time. Really makes no difference. Like no difference whatsoever. If it's exact next, same time of year. If it's next July or August, like, it really doesn't make a difference. No. <laughs> How weird is it yeah. now? Like it's literally so weird. The Olympics are in another year. Yeah, it it is weird. I mean, it's just. We keep talking about it because everybody is, but like how everything's just on pause. Life is on pause right now. We're just in an absolute stalemate of doing nothing. It's so, yeah, it's... Are you shitting me? It's really, yeah, it's weird. Like we won't beat a dead horse. We've talked about it every show, but it's it's still weird. Like it just yeah. made it really real today to me seeing that it's a ne- like next year and everyone just yeah. has to reset and be like, okay, it's fucking 2019 again. Yeah, I think the big thing is like, We've, we've talked about it. Like you've told me a lot of times, like when we talk about Olympics and stuff and other athletes as well, just how stressful like the year, even the two years leading up to the Olympics is because you know, what's on the line with everything with races and training and blah, blah, blah. So you're always like having that on your mind. And now it's like, we kind of had an added year of stress kind of, that makes sense. Like totally. if you're not, yeah, if you're not totally. good at, like learning to relax and take this time off, you're just going to be have an extra year of stress really oh yeah i think now's the time to decompress and let yourself relax and put as much gas in the in the tank as you can for the next year because that's yeah it's been a roller coaster for all you 
athletes that are trying to get to the Olympics. Like there's so much hype and it's getting stressful. And now it's just like, okay, now we can relax a bit and it's going to happen again. So just ride the wave, baby, ride the wave, roll the punches, relax now while you can. And just, yeah, refresh your body and mind as much as possible for the next year. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be crazy again. What? Yeah. So golf it is this week. Absolutely, baby. We just need this rain to F off and then we'll be good. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I know. Um, Sylvain's social media check-in. Snap on Green's Women Olympic bracket. So uh, did Elise win the bracket? She did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah, okay. She, yeah, I mean. She, she won the bracket. I think uh, the, the fans voted from what I saw in his story that Saya was in second there. And then the battle for bronze was Laura and Caroline. What do you think? I'm surprised Caroline made it that far. To be honest, I, I was too, actually. Yeah, just because yeah. she hasn't been on the scene recently. Yeah, I didn't go with some of the votes. I won't say which ones, but with some of the votes, I went completely against what people, what some of the majorities were. I was too, actually. There, yeah. there were like a few pretty obvious ones, and then there were a few I was like, I was completely yeah, against what the, I agree. the public was voting as. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe I don't know if the, the fans were voting on popularity contest or. What? But yeah. But yeah, I mean, at least winning is no surprise, obviously. No, she's been on it. Yep. She's the world's fastest woman right now. So mm-hmm. no surprise there. Um, I, I hope to see Snap on Green do a men's one too. That'd be pretty entertaining. Yeah, that would be pretty. Didn't he tell us they were? He did. Yeah, he did. It's a he, people. <laughs> 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 I mean, what, Spoiler. A sh- what a shock. It's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> we remember we were building up to a big release like a year ago. We just kind of abandoned ship on that thing. Yeah, because fuck it, I'm not going to release it. No, I know we don't want to. We don't want to sell it, our friend. But <laughs> <laughs> what if we just randomly said it on here? That oh, that'd be so uh, fun. It would be funny if one time we just said the name and we didn't say who the name was. All of a sudden, we're just talking, talking, talking. Say the name, keep talking. <laughs> I know, just like just middle of the sentence, <laughs> and then just act like nothing happened. How the Olympics are canceled, Curtis. <laughs> it's a guy named Curtis people <laughs> that'd be so funny hey? um, alright what else we got you got a rant you said you had a rant for oh me. yeah so here's my rant James alright let's hear it so, I can't wait so my rant is that you're probably the worst social media caption proofreader I've ever oh seen oh my god no, fuck off so like, walk, <laughs> so like walk me through how you do a caption for social media like walk me through it because I'm, I'm, I'm confused like this isn't the first time it's happened so like when you go to when you go to post on our Facebook page you just you just like walk me through the whole process please <laughs> no 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 walk me through it I'm curious walk me through it <laughs> alright so for all you people know yeah okay all right, so I do the Instagram post every time. That's what I start off with, okay? I normally look back to see what we've said, so I try to say something similar or not yeah, similar. Yeah. So no, not fair copy. enough, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, and then we always post on Facebook as well, even though clearly nobody gives a shit about Facebook. If you do look on Facebook, well, thank you, but <laughs> nobody really looks at Facebook. I agree, no one cares um, about Facebook, but still, go on. So then I just copy the whole text that I use on Instagram, paste it on the Facebook one with the photo, and then I always, or I have to remember now that I have to, when we always say like um, comment below or something. Or link below. Or like, on Instagram, it's always like, no. Link below. Link in bio. No, it's link in bio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on Instagram, so then, we always post link in bio. And then for Facebook, I have to put link below. But when I'm rushing to copy paste, normally, okay, here's why. Here's why I rush and mess it up. Okay. Because I post on Instagram and for some reason, I go post on 
Facebook right after I post on Instagram, but I haven't done the story for the Instagram yet. So I go to Facebook, I rush, copy, paste, and I go to switch the link in bio to link below. But last time I left in, so it said link in below, or was that what it was? You've done that a bunch, yeah. Yeah, I've done it a bunch. So then, so, and then I rush, and then I go back, and whatever, and I just forget. So I have I have a lot of questions. I'm gonna start the first one. Like, what's the rush? I feel like it has to be done at once. So <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you? Why, instead of going back and forth between platforms, why don't you post the Instagram and then the story and then do Facebook? You know what? I really don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> and like when you when you post in general, because I've seen mistakes in like your your personal caption. Like, do you not like give it a once through or like check? Okay, here's here's because like because like maybe start. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just this like my, I'm talking just like a once through. <laughs> <laughs> this is my problem in school when I took tests. I never proofread. I finish the test. I'm like, God, I'm done. I go hand it in, and like I forget to write down the most obvious. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like just a once through. But, okay, here's, a, here's another reason why half of this happens, okay? Normally, I try to post early in the morning because then it, I, I find personally that's when it gets the most um, engagement notice. Yeah, yeah, most engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I post early in the morning. Well, half the time I do these early morning posts, I haven't had my coffee. I'm literally lying in bed. I'm just like, okay, post, and then I'll get up. And I clearly I'm one of those people who until I have my coffee, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't proofread and yeah. Just just pull the I'm old just, like drink, wait, wait till you go on the couch, drink your, co- be drinking your coffee and then just be posting. I know. I need to change my ways, okay? <laughs> I'm talking just like a once through. <laughs> just like proofread it one time. Maybe like read it out loud once to yourself. I, and I'm then, talking like a bunch of times. And then Instagram, okay. you put link in bio, which was good. But then we changed, we talked about it. Then you changed to the merch. So then I had to go back on the Instagram and take out the link in bio from the photo. Cause then the link in bio was the merch link. Oh, you know what? The, I didn't even realize that one now. Yeah. yeah. So I switched I, the, I switched the story, but I forgot to switch. The post. So I bailed you out on that one. All right. At least you didn't say it to me that time. I'm tired. Ta- I'm getting tired for myself of you always being like, <laughs> Bro, the post. I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired of saying it. We need. I need a different sign. I'm getting tired of the words. I need something like. I'm just gonna send me something else. So the the uh, the dude with sign did the the dude with a sign account. I'm just gonna get one of those templates, and then every time you fuck one up, I'm gonna put stop posting, stop, (laughs) start proofreading captions or something on the post (laughs) on the board. I'd rather see that and have a laugh. All right, that's what I'm going to start doing. And I'm just going to send that and then you know. All right. All right, that was my rant. God, I feel better. That's (laughs) that's been burning for like since last week. (laughs) Oh, I just feel like I knew this was coming eventually. Um, All right, before we get into David, you put, when you think of David Herman, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Herman? Oh, what God is ass now? I got to think of his, his starts. His low pedal, and then just his coming out low, and then his just second pedal dominance. This one time in DeSoto, yeah, I would agree. This one time in DeSoto, it was like a moto or a quarter or something. I think I was in five and he was in four. And then I got out. I had a really good start, and I got out, and I didn't see him. And I was like, oh, I think I'm oh, good. Sorry. I think I'm good. And then all of a sudden, I just see him blow past me on the flat part. I'm like, fuck, I should have cut him off. Well, it's funny. Like I remember a story too. Like we got into the gate at the World Cup final in Argentina in 2014. I think mm-hmm. I was in five and he was in six. So obviously, okay. no one's talking up there. Everyone's focused. Like we get into the gate for the main, and I see him. I see out of my peripheral vision. He like gets in the gate, 
and then like leans forward and like checks his tire and he's like fuck and he pulls off and he's like <laughs> i got a flat tire and then he like yells off the back of the hill to team usa crew like guys i got a flat and then so like everyone pulled off the gate we all took our helmets off he ran down the ramp and then i don't know if they switched his wheel or bike i think they switched his wheel or something and then we okay. all waited for him and he came back up and like 10 minutes later we ran the final and that's I, epic yeah i I thought that was really cool of everyone to pull off the gates. It's like, we all know how gnarly it is to get to a world cup main. And like, we're not yeah. going to, we're not going to run it when one of the guys like can't race it with a flat tire. So I thought it was cool that literally everyone got off the gate and waited for him for 10 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I but mean, you, there, you do get a mechanical. There is like a mechanical delay. Like if you ever have a mechanical in the start, they have to, is it a rule? Be, yeah, it's a rule. You get like a certain amount of time, I think, but what? you get a mechanical delay. Was that new or has that always been there? Um, I don't know how new it is. I don't know if it's in there since 2014, but it's like at least since like 2016, at least. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. early it started. But, I don't know if it was a rule but, back then, but it would have been like, even if it wasn't and they would have been like, no, we're going. Everyone would have been like, yeah, fuck off. We're waiting for him. Yeah. Yeah. But, seriously. Yeah. So yeah. People do that. So yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool of everyone. Like that was sports sportsmanship. Cause it's like, how much of a dick would you be if you're like, nope, let's run it. Like, no, fuck it. Show goes on, we, baby. One sucks day, suck. one, <laughs> one day world cups. We go to all the way to Argentina. You make it all the way to the final and you couldn't race it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you'd be a fucking jackass. Oh, my God. Time to run it. oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, sorry. I just remember another Herman story I have. Go for it. So I told this story back on the Corbin show when I was at Greg Romero's house and like, uh, Corbin was there and Herman and maybe somebody else, maybe Mikey or something. So the, I remember the I was leaving the next day, but Herman got in the day before I left. So like we had one night of overlapping. So in Greg's house, there was one room, two beds, and so we shared a room the the one night. And like I said before, it's like I was super young there. Like I looked up to all these guys; they were like my idols. So whatever, we're sleeping the first night, and with Herman there in the same room, and my fucking phone goes off like an alarm or something. I don't know what it was. It starts going off in the middle of the night. Your phone and I. Yeah, my phone for some reason. <laughs> no idea why, because I didn't set an alarm or anything, and I didn't wake up to it at all. But all of a sudden, Herman wakes him up, being like, "Like, bro, bro, is this your phone? Like, you know, turn that shit off." And I was like, "Oh, I felt like the biggest jackass." You're man. probably so embarrassed, like, "Oh my god, I woke David Herman up." <laughs> <laughs> I felt like such an idiot, uh, bro. You you want to turn that off? <laughs> <laughs> like, you gonna get that or what's going he's on? Going, he's going back to bed. He's like this fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking idiot right here. Who does he think he is? <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's call it Big Dave. I'm excited to have him on. I'm actually really excited to have him on. Yeah, he's another one of those guys we haven't heard from for a while, so I don't even know what he's been up to. I know. It was good to chat to him a bit at Nick's wedding. Mm-hmm. Oh, Herminator. Hello. Okay, come on, Herm. Ah. Going on, guys. Big Dave. What's up, Herm? Yo. Yo, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no worries. How's it going? What have you been up to in this all this stuff we're all going through right now? Yeah, I'm still working. Um but I'm I'm not chilling like everyone else. Home, <laughs> relaxing. Um Yeah, I work for uh I work for Rockstar Energy, you know, and that's in the uh the beverage industry and those those cans got to be on the shelf, so I got I got to be working. <laughs> Those rock stars don't sell themselves, baby. <laughs> no, nope, that's, that's right. What do you uh, What do you do for Rockstar? So I'm a, a sales rep for them. Um, been doing that for like a year, year and a half now. I started with like an entry level position, 
kind of moved up a little bit, but uh, it just uh, a sales rep. Uh, is it like, cool. do you go to an office or is it from home or? So I have a, a rockstar van and yeah, just every day I start from home, like do everything on my phone and then just hit stores like throughout the day. There's no office here. A couple coworkers and yeah, same thing with them. Like everyone's just mobile. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So you, did you get, did you start talking to them after you stopped racing and then they're interested in having you or how did that come about? You know, I just found like a job posting, um, like anyone else would and reached out, sent them my resume, you know, told them that, you know, I was a former athlete. I think that helped. And, uh, really it was, you know, it was pretty easy from there. Did you ever, did you ever officially retire? <laughs> I didn't do, uh, <laughs> I didn't do any kind of announcement or anything. Um, yeah, which kind of sucks. I wanted to do something, um, that French writer, Moana Mukai, I, he did like a, yeah. a retirement video and I was really into that and that was kind of something I wanted to do and then just kind of never got around to it. Um, and then like Donnie, he retired at the same race I did and he had like a big speech and everything. So I wasn't going to like hop up there and like, yo, I'm next. when was was that race when was the last one so the last race i did was the grand in 2016 um you know my last race was the trials race in my opinion and then i raced salt lake after that and then the grand that was it it's funny i remember moana mukai's uh retirement video I i always thought that was really cool and i always thought like when i retired i wanted to do that but then it's just logistically kind of hard because you got to get someone to do it and blah 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 yeah i mean he had that was really cool though yeah yeah he he had great footage he had someone probably put it together and yeah it it would have been i i didn't know those those people for me to get that video done yeah maybe we just turn this podcast into a herman this is uh yeah this is is david's retirement show (laughs) yeah that's what i that's what i wanted to be titled as yeah my David. My delayed retirement. <laughs> His retirement <laughs> celebration. Yeah. Uh, when did you get into BMX? So I started in 96. Um, May of 96. Yeah. I think that's the first. I think that's when I started too. How old? You would have been like eight or something? Yep. Yep. I would have been eight. Would you been four or something? Yeah, I would have been four. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Oh, you I got a late, I got a late start. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Who did you race growing up, Herm? Like in the, when you're like, who's around your age? I'm trying to think. So early days, um, there was this kid on GT. His name was Chris Baldwin. He was from Washington. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. Um, he was kind of like someone I could never really beat, but then he, he quit like pretty early, like probably by the time he was 13. Um, and then from there, you know, there was like break band, um, you know, kind of depending on birthdays, I would race Joshua a little bit, Sergio Pena, um, I'm trying to think though, like other than brave band, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm losing track of a couple of years in there, but, but you guys like your, yeah. your age group in the year below was really fast. Like you had a lot of good riders that, um, were fast and amateur. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm definitely there for a while. A lot of our, our birthdays mixed up too. Um, like I said, I would race like Josh Joey, Andrew Mayfield, Chris Fox. Um, and yeah, there was, there's like a lot of factory kids, um, you know, in that age group. So, you know, a lot of kids traveling to all the races and, um, and it was, it was a good class, but I mean, it didn't turn out to be one of the better classes, uh, you know, as we, you know, turned elite, it was like, I was really, you know, there weren't many, weren't many of us. You guys, you guys had such good slingshots though. I feel like in your age group, <laughs> I, that might've been like the detriment to why no one could succeed in elite because, uh, we relied on that slingshot, but, um, but no, I mean, you know, luckily Mikey Brabant did it, taught me to do it. And, but, um, yeah, I, I, luckily I was able to kind of transition and do a normal gate. And, uh, okay. we, we, oh, go ahead, James, go. I was going to say, well, talking about the slingshot quickly, we've like, everybody always have, or was writing in the comments and in the questions was like, ask him about his low first pedal and like, I've always wondered where that came from, but is that because of the slingshot days? Like, cause when you slingshot, obviously you started with the low pedal. Did you just continue that when you, uh, got into the random gate? I, I think so. Um, but then I, there was also a while there where I would just hit the gate a lot, um, with random start. And one thing that helped me was just by lowering my pedal. Interesting. Um, ah. and yeah, like thinking back, like, I don't think me and Christian ever like really talked about it like why we started with our pedal solo. Um, I really do not know <laughs> why it started with your solo. It's probably one of those things you just mess around with and it felt good and worked. So you kind of just rolled with it. And I naturally kind of like came back a little bit off the gate. Um, and so, you know, it, it kind of put my pedal in the right position, um, you know, coming out just by coming back a little bit, you know, rather than someone like Bradford who, you know, he would just go straight out of the gate. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of yeah. came back a little bit. Imagine going from a slingshot where you start with your pedal so low and then you go to a random <laughs> gate. It feels like your pedal's at 12 o'clock. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I know. Was uh, the amateur title, so obviously you won amateur titles in the in USA BMX when you were younger. Was that always a big goal for you growing up? Yeah, I think it was. Um, not like a huge goal because it, it really wasn't, you know, rider count had so much to do with it. And, yeah, yeah. you know, as you can, as you can see, like later when they opened up the classes and made them, you know, two age groups. Um, no, so it, it wasn't a huge deal to me when I was younger. Um, but then, yeah, you know, when it was a possibility, um, you know, when I was 16, 17, 18, definitely that was, you know, what motivated me and, you know, and pushed me and, um, you know, really made racing fun you know, for those last few amateur years. Do you have any bonuses for winning those things? Or do people now, do you think? I don't even know. Um, no, I mean, I, I didn't get any bonuses. <laughs> those jet skis were quite the bonuses in themselves. Got some wave runners. Um, <laughs> yep. Got two, got two of them and, uh, sold both of them before even riding them and just pocketed the cash and bought a car. Um, yeah. Was it, uh, was it hard growing up? Cause like we always dealt with in Canada, like we could only ride for, I don't know, whatever, eight months of the year. Cause the weather was so bad in the winter and coming from a climate like Colorado, what's the winter like? Was it tough racing those early races in the U S or the grands? Cause like we always had, it was always tough for us cause we ne couldn't necessarily get on a track before those races. 
Yeah. But I think, um, the grand was, was okay. You know, we, we usually get our first snow around Halloween. Okay. Um, and then you could still ride all the way up until the grams, you know, snow would dry pretty quick okay. and, uh, the track track could kind of handle it. But then like Reno, January, like that was, that was always tough. Um, and especially like when I turned elite, like I didn't hit my stride until March. Um, yeah. and that's even if I was at the training center, you know, in January, February, just, I don't know, maybe all those years of not being able to do stuff in there just made it difficult. Like I, I never felt like I could get going until March. Yeah. I always felt yeah. the same. It get going like spring and summer just cause we wouldn't be able to ride. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, now, now that I'm, you know, not racing, I, I look back and just kind of realize like how difficult it was for me. Um, you know, having to deal with this weather and, um, but I, I, I didn't mind it at the time. You know, it was, if anything, it kind of motivated me. Um, I thought I had to work harder than people. And, you know, those, those things where, you know, people are like, I'm training while you're sleeping, you know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Like this was kind of my version of that. Um, you know, yeah, just training in conditions that, uh, you know, other Americans don't have to deal with. I, I'm thinking some Euro guys did, but, yeah. or, or you did, you know. And after yeah, you, kind, go ahead, James. It's kind of one of those things I've heard a lot too. Is yeah, like you kind of appreciate it more when you you can't ride in the winter time and you're just kind of training and you're just doing all the shitty weather kind of sprints or just in the gym. It makes you appreciate when you get to the, like the good climates more. Yeah, and I, I think it helped me reset a little bit. I would take a little bit more time off during the winter than um, a lot of the other guys that I talked to did. So yeah, I definitely. I like the the time off during the winter. And then you, uh, back then too, you turned a pro and then you had to make like three grand before you could race double a, right? Yep. Yeah. Three grand. Um, and that was back when we were making like some pretty good money. So that was like, I raced Reno. You must, I raced Guthrie. Yeah, you must have made, then, made it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to say, you know, we were getting like six or 700 bucks, um, for a win each day. Um, and yeah, I, I, Reno Guthrie and then turned at Las or no, I, yeah, Las Cruces. And then I turned in Phoenix. It's crazy. Like the six or 700 bucks in like 2000, whatever six that would have been or whatever is probably equal to like a thousand now with inflation. And if that's what a thousand is like the win for a double a race now, you save your max. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. And I was balling. <laughs> how was the transition how was the transition going to double a from that um you know it was good um i think you know like at the time racing joe zurich in open and nag five challenge and stuff like we were we were going really good for um you know upper amateurs and then we would ride pro practice at the ada nationals and so i kind of knew where i was at um and then you know, racing Bradford in a pro that was good. Um, had some, you know, some pretty decent guys in there and then I could still slingshot too. So I had a huge advantage. Most of the double A's, they hated the slingshot. Oh yeah. Um, so, <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I was confident in it and, and, uh, yeah. So that, that transition for the first two years was pretty easy because of the slingshot, I think. Did you always did, they, did you always want to race pro and BMX or did you just kind of just kind of happen? 
Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, from a young age, or, you know, like I, I got on answer when I was pretty young. So, um, you know, I, I'd been pretty serious about it ever since I was really little. So I don't really remember exactly, you know, like, Oh, I want to be Gary Ellis or I want to be Kristoff or something like that. But I definitely, it was something I thought I could do. And yeah, I just wanted to take it as far as I could. I'm pretty curious about the whole like 2000 kind of, I guess into 2008 year. Cause that was the year you won. I know you won a two world cups that year. Um, yeah. but did you make a run for the Olympic team that year as well? Cause if I'm like, if I remember correctly, well, you weren't on that team, right? No. So 2006, I raced the do tour in San Jose. That was like my first time ever. Good old days. Huh? Kind of, yeah. The ski ramp at the bottom and some pretty big booters. Um, and right away I was into it. Um, it was, I mean, it was nerve wracking. Yeah, how how um, was it being like one of the, you, cause you were part of that first generation of supercross. How was that transition? First of all, like going from regular to that it must've been so gnarly. Yeah. You know, it was. And, um, you know, there was like, like me and brave Ant and Zurich and Nick long, like we were kind of the, the younger kids that were getting into it. Um, and it was still kind of quirky, you know, like you had that ski ramp, um, a lot, a lot of that was like, it was more about flow. Um, like that's Mike day was so good at it. Um, power didn't really have that much to do with it yet. Um, but it was fun. Like I, you know, ever since I was little, I love jumping. Um, you know, and so that, that was kind of like right in my wheelhouse, um, you know, racing a track like that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I was into it. That track was gnarly. Like if you put that track on a circuit nowadays, people would freak the hell out. Yeah, they probably would. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I remember I, I didn't know Nick that well. And early on in practice, he cased the berm jump and like broke his crank or something. And, <laughs> and yeah, the jump was huge. And, uh, you know, I, Nick was more of a manual guy than a jumper back then. And, uh, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was really eye opening just for, you know, high, you know, top amateurs to, you know, be scared or to be struggling. And, um, it was fun. That, that was kind of crazy. Cause then that was Oh six. And then the next two years, it was like right into the Olympics. And that was the format or that was the type of track. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, so 2007, I had, I got on intense. Um, and then, you know, luckily I had the budget, um, I was getting paid a little bit of money and then like, I was just officially going to be doing like the supercrosses that year. And we raced, uh, Madrid, Spain. That was essentially like the first real super cross race that I got to do because it wasn't like a ski ramp. You know, I was like, you know, it, this is how it's going to be, you know? So the outdoor um, one? no, or, uh, oh no, that, sorry. I'm a year off. I'm a whole year off. So this 2008. I kind of, I don't think I did any supercross in 2007. Okay. So yeah, I, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't get to do that. Yeah. I didn't get to do that. Um, Your test event. Oh yeah. Okay. So I did get to do the test event. Just like somehow got lucky and I got to go to this race in Japan and then luckily like answer, like flew me over just on some bootleg, like you're staying with red men. Like, I don't know. Is this, I kind of lucked out and got to go. Um, <laughs> but that was, I could barely make it around that track. Like that track was huge. Oh, My yeah. gear wasn't big enough. Um, 
and then they only qualified like you know like 36 people to the to the race day and I, I had got like 40th or something like I was close to making it to race day and but uh I don't I didn't want to race I don't think <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then going, yeah. going to the next year did you like obviously you came in and you won I guess yeah you came in one Adelaide that was one of the first ones in 08 wasn't it yeah so then there was a Madrid indoor oh, that yeah, was yeah. um yeah so now I'm now I'm back I'm caught up to where I was um on intense traveling with the like Danny C and stuff and uh go to Madrid I did pretty well. I got fifth in the semi somehow. Um, just, you know, kind of squirreling my way around the track. Those jumps were huge. Um, you know, everyone was timid. Um, you know, not, not really willing to pedal everywhere. And, and I kind of was. And, and yeah, it, was, it made me nervous to race those tracks. But it was like a nervous feeling that I, you know, I loved. And so, yeah, you know, did pretty well there. And then, yeah, um, Adelaide just kind of things fell into place and somehow won that race. And, and then from there, um, yeah, just everything kind of, all the doors opened up, you know, everything became possible. And I was like, you know, this is what I'm going to go for, you know, from here. What made you, uh, you were one of the first people to pick eight, I feel like at those world cups. What made you pick eight that weekend? You know, I mean, probably for the same reason why I always ended up doing it. And it was, I, I could get down the hill really good and I was confident in getting down the hill. Um, but I wasn't necessarily confident racing these guys that I didn't know who they were. Like I had no idea who most of these guys were and they just seemed so established, you know, and, and good. And, you know, some of them were maybe some guys I looked up to and it was like, just put me on the outside. Like I'm going to snap and (laughs) I'm going to unwind this big gear and, um, and that's just kind of, that, that was let my thought shift, process. Baby. Just let sure. shift. Yeah, just give me room to shift, baby. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah. Get the gearbox and I'm good. Yeah. And it's like, if you, I mean, I can tell if I watch that Adelaide main, like I, I kind of hit the gate in the main a little bit, um, just enough to where, you know, you don't get that perfect drive. Yeah. And, and then I still almost get into the first turn. And that's just like how I felt that day. Like, it didn't matter what lane, like just put me out there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just get me out there. Give me a chance. Yeah. And I think I had like second or third lane choice and definitely not a, but at the time too, like I didn't have a coach. I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. Um, I like, I was getting no advice from anybody, you know, anything like that. So, which was kind of nice, you know, just, I, I did my thing that weekend. Oh boy, have times changed, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. David just goes, no one there. Fuck it, I'll pick eight and win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That must have been crazy because you were still pretty young then to win a World Cup like that. Must have been like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, you know, getting fifth in that semi, like if I if I rolled into Adelaide, I would have been cool with fifth in the semi. I think I was, I was probably, probably thought I overshot my potential in in Madrid and no way did I think I was going to be in the main until like the day kind of started to unfold. And you know, that hill was a little bit different. It was shorter. Yeah. Probably kind of, kind of similar to the, the world that you raced there. And I just felt really good down it. And, and yeah, it was, it kind of goes against everything that we learn, you know, you know, the, the more seasoned we get, like, 
you know, nothing happens by accident. Um, you know, you will everything to happen. It was just, just kind of things fell into place. Like, I don't want to call it luck, but I was just, I'd load in the gate and I'd be like, just the thoughts in my head were just so, so much different to what they, they became, you know, as, as my career went on. I almost think that's like, that's a, a strength for younger riders is sometimes when you don't really know the whole process of like the training aspect or what to think about, or even like the mental side, like you can almost just run on hype. Basically you're not really thinking about anything and it works out better for you. Yeah, I agree that, uh, ignorance is bliss. Um, hundred yeah, percent, you know, the, the, the years that you have that those are, those are good years. So after that, did you think, well, I got a shot at the Olympics this year? Uh, sure. Like I, I probably maybe had a little bit of that in the back of my mind, but I would say at that moment, like I didn't even really know the, the criteria to qualify. Um, like I knew Donnie had like a huge lead in the points, like that wasn't going to be an option or yeah. Yeah. Or Kyle had a huge lead. Um, you know, Donnie had won the, the uh, test event, you know, I probably would have to win the trials. You know, I, I kind of had that same mindset that I was just explaining that I raced with in Adelaide where it's like, yeah, let's see what happens. You know, like I'm going to put my, put myself in the mix, but it wasn't like, like, Oh, I really have a shot at this. It was kind of, it was a fun time to let's see where this goes, you know, kind of, kind of feeling. Yeah. Just go, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like racing Uh, the trials that year? Um, that that seems like a pressure cooker race. It's a one and done. It is. It is. And at the time, like it was like I remember in the like we're getting ready to do the first lap and I start to tear up. I'm like starting to get like kind of emotional. <laughs> um I don't know why. And actually a couple people who have raced the US trials have, have told me they felt the same way. Really? Wow. Different yeah, different than anything I had uh, ever experienced and um, you know, it was weird that you know, Bubba didn't race. Um so there's an open gate. None of us were nearly as good as Mikey was. So, you know, I wasn't really thinking like, oh, I'm going to beat Mikey today. It was just, I just went out there and raced that day. And, you know, with, with a lot of, you know, but yeah, let's see what happens. And, uh, you know, that, that mindset, you know, started to change probably shortly after that. Yeah. Cause it seemed like, I guess, I guess it was a couple of years after that, but around 2010, 2011, and like, then obviously into 2012, like you really poured it on. I mean, you got a bunch of world cup mains, a bunch of like, bunch of podiums even and then obviously qualified for the 2012 team as the uh i guess the points guy i guess how much of a relief was that um yeah so like 2009 and 2010 i kind of struggled i i like started training with ph and i had never i never had a trainer before so you know he kind of built my base and that you know probably took away from you know just uh you know, we all know what that's like building the base, how that, what, you know, what that can do to, you know, a season or a half a season. Um, and then at that time I was kind of trying some different things with bike setup. And, uh, so yeah, those, those were kind of, those were tough years for me. And then at the same time, you know, we had gone random start in the ABA, you know, that probably hurt my confidence a little bit, but, um, you know, things started to come back around like 2011 and, and, uh, but no, I mean, like, that was that was my goal was to to make the Olympic team, and that you know 
a lot of times, you know, people like my peers, you know, I, I hear it all the time, you know, telling the younger riders, you know, like, Oh, you know, just have fun, you know, and I can't always like, Oh, forget about this. everyone's too focused on the Olympics, this and that. But that was like, I can't always agree with that because that's all I cared about. And that's what motivated me. And that's really like what lit the fire for me. Um, so that's more or less, I'm, I'm pro Olympics and at least for the time that I came into it, you know, I had already, you know, laid the foundation and everything. And so that was really what mattered to me. Yeah. And it showed cause you came into 2012 and you podium in Chula Vista and you did really well at those world cups and ended up with the most points for, for team USA. So it must've been sweet to have your spot and be able to watch the trials that year. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, you know, <laughs> 2012 popping doll that was one of my <laughs> okay one quick of my uh, question <laughs> yeah so you see me yeah. come you see me coming up on you on the inside of the main and just like cra- like did you see me crash or did you hear it or anything i saw you like pass me you were going so fast like you didn't necessarily get by me but yeah like i i, I caught caught you in the side and uh i was like oh i'm, I'm getting passed you know, (laughs) (laughs) and like, like I'm moving, like I'm, you know, I'm having a decent lap, you know, I'm, I'm catching Sam's uh, tailwind here. And, uh, but no, I mean, (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll take it. But, uh, like that was, uh, like, yeah, a huge day for me. That, that race meant a lot. And, and, uh, you know, that was, I had strung together three podiums at that point. Um, which looking back now, like with the way that class was and yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that is not easy to do. in you know, a four or five months span. One of the only things I remember from that main is just pedaling out of that turn before the rhythm as hard as I can. Just thinking, catch David, catch David. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I was, I was willing to give that up to you. Like you were hauling ass. Yeah. I went way too fast into that section. <laughs> yeah. That way was too fast. That, that was you. Um, so how, how did the points work out for you to, to qualify? Cause it came down to like the 2012 worlds or something, didn't it? Yeah. So, you know, the, the points were set up the way they were, um, after, you know, I mean, Connor, Connor had such an amazing season and, uh, you know, I, I went three, 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 all the way into the world and got a fifth. And, and that's really looking back, it almost feels like that's how it was meant to be. Um, I don't know how else I would have got on that team had I not won that. You know, like the coach's pick would have been a toss-up between me and Nick. Um, and then however the trials was going to go. But like that was my best shot to make the team. And I always knew that. Um, like that was my goal, even though that didn't seem possible, you know, throughout that process the whole time because Connor was doing so well is winning one, three races. And, um, but yeah, after Poppendall, we went to Birmingham for two weeks and you know, we're in the hotel, we're training, we're getting ready for world. And, and I, I did uh, all the math and I knew I had to get top five in the world main and Connor had to not make the semi. So he had to go out in the quarters, which seems really unlikely. And just to kind of go back to what I said before, it just kind of seemed meant to be somehow he gets his pedal on the ground in the quarter crashes. And then, you know, I coast my way in for a fifth <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the final. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
Um, but no, I mean, like I knew it's crazy. I knew getting in the gate or like, you know, going up for the world's name, like, okay, Connor, I have to get fifth, you know? And I'm, you know, I've been riding pretty well all year. You know, it's a tight indoor track. Like, I think I just got to get out. Like, uh, fifth, I, I got this, fifth. Yeah. And then I find myself in the last place, you know, out of the first <laughs> turn. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it worked out the way it did. And, yeah. Yeah, I remember there being that, that crash in the last turn. And I remember hearing, like, a story, or I don't know if it was you that said or somebody else, but, like, you saw the crash, like, got up, realized there was, like, only four people across, and you got up and just went for the line still. Oh, yeah. I mean, shit, I was thinking fifth place probably the time the beeps went off in the gate. <laughs> David comes uh, across in fifth and just arm pumps <laughs> like he won. <laughs> and it, yeah. Yeah, and it was, like, such a typical reaction from me. Like, so anticlimactic. I coast across the finish line, like, you know, Reiko, who we all know and love, she's sitting there, like, giving me a bottle of water. You know, I'm, I'm just sitting there, like, I'm stunned. I'm, I'm hoping my math was right. You know, I didn't have anyone tell me that, like, that's what needed to, you know, go down. And, uh, and I told her, I was like, I just made the Olympic team. And, like, that was my little celebration right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just made the Olympic team. Let's go get drunk. And I, yeah, <laughs> after a terrible main, but, uh, no, that was, that was without a doubt, like, what kind of means the most to me out of my career, um, you know, to put together that, that season and just what it meant to me. And yeah, that's, that's like my highlight. Because you had a lot of momentum then going into London as well. Yeah. I, I, I mean, my, my plate said world five on it, whether or not that's, uh, you know, what place I got, but, uh, and then I was, I was like, I was ranked, you know, fifth in the, the world rankings points. So yeah, like I, I definitely felt like I deserved to be there. I felt good. Um, you know, the lead up was good. You know, we had a great track to train on and, and good training partners and every, yeah, I mean, everything, you know, was going, you know, great. what did you think of the Olympics, your experience there? Such a hard question to answer. I know, but like, how did the, like your whole experience there, what was it like? Because everyone's experience is so different at the Olympics. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of bummed that we competed at the very end. Yeah. Um, you know, we get there and chill for two weeks and do nothing. Um, that's kind of a, that sucked, in my opinion. I, I think I handled it well. You know, I was pretty relaxed. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything about how, you know, my lead up or anything like that. Like, I... I felt great. I, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed by the moment. Um, you know, track was fine. I don't think it was like a track that, you know, I mean, it was a fairly easy track. I, I thought, I thought I could do well on it. Um, I was confident. And then yet, yeah, you know, that crash that we had in the first moto, you know, me, George, Nick, the rest of the pack, like that really took me out for the rest of the weekend, I'd say. Yeah, because you got through, you got through the semis, but you didn't you didn't make it out. How did you how did the semis go for you? Yeah, so I mean, I I barely made it out of the first day. Like, luckily, we got to race however many laps we did because I started with an eight the first moto, and then you know couldn't beat Willers or Joris the next few, so I had high points. Um, and then I was just I was you know fairly injured. Um, had like a an issue with my hip. Didn't feel like I was 
getting out of the gate very good. And I, yeah, I, was, I felt like I was pretty compromised for, uh, you know, for that final day. And then I, I missed the main by one spot. I got fifth in the semi. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't need to be, I didn't deserve to be in the main. Like I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna have the, the main event that I wanted to have just, you know, with the, the way the previous day had went, like I, I had never raced like as injured as I was there, you know, and I, I didn't have to race injured very often, but yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. I didn't know you were injured from that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty solid slam. And yeah. I just watched that whole race back. There were like that one, especially. And there were a few good slams. Like we've talked about before, but like the Olympics is just a war zone that, especially that first Dude, day. The Olympics is the racing's next <laughs> level. Like it's gnarly. Like it's nothing like, any other world cup or world championships. It's, it's, it's its own thing. I know. And, and I was watching Rio and sure enough, like bombs are going off. Dude, the first, know, like, Oh man, like, <laughs> like Liam and, and everyone like, Oh, they're hurt. You know, like it's just a nightmare, you know, Ami like, rips <laughs> his nutsack open. It's just a whole thing. <laughs> I know. And it's like, let's just, let's just get through day one. You know, um, I think, I think, you know, me, me, George, and Nick would love to just, uh, you know, we do that laugh and just, yeah, just get through day one. Um, yeah. It'd be nice, but no, we're, we're all on edge and, you know, it, it must be like, it must be, everyone's just so, everyone's been waiting for that day forever and everyone's so nervous. That must be why. And there's so much more on the line on that first day, I guess, that everyone's just races out of their mind. And it seems like the next day things calm down quite a bit. I think you're, you're probably right. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily feel much different than I would yeah, from a yeah. world championships or anything, but, but no, I think, I think there's something to be said for that. And, and you're probably right. Yeah. The first lap, I like think, in London and Rio, the first lap I was pretty nervous for, but then after that, I just felt like a normal race really. Yeah. You got to think too, people aren't concerned about crashing or eating shit. Cause they're like, what have I got to like <laughs> save myself for now? Pe- right? People it's are like, literally like, I will die today. <laughs> yeah, I will take. I don't care. My life. I will no. die today. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if they yeah. had time trial in the Olympics, people would be going for fucking broke. Oh, if they had like I a mean, medal, for dude. It? If yeah. they like the laps, people would be trying to piece together. They'd be trying to piece together like a one in ten lap. I feel like you'd have to though, because let's be real. Like somebody out of the the thirty two people that are there would pop off just an insane lap. Yeah, someone would. Yeah. I would, uh, but, if, it, if it was for a medal, I would, I would do a coast lap. Oh, big! I know I ain't getting that. I ain't getting that shit. <laughs> see you, I'll see you, legs, guys. You got it. <laughs> see you, boys, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was curious though, like those years, like 2011, 2012, like obviously you really clicked. Like, was there something you found that worked for you that you did differently, or was it just like, like most people say, like just all that hard work over the past couple of years finally just came together? No, I'm, I'm glad you ask that question and because I felt like it maybe we had gone a little bit past this but no I started training with G and uh Greg Romero and that was huge for me I, you know one of those last um chula, the last chula race that we did at night you know I had had a kind of a bad weekend and I, I went up to G afterwards and I was like hey man like I'm interested in working with you following day I, I met up with him we talked on the phone like this and that and he's like why, why do you want to work with me and and I told him, you know, like, you've been to the Olympics and I, I think you can take me there. And 
you know, like to think that so far out, like already thinking that, you know, I just, I, I trusted G a lot and I thought he was good. I believed in everything. You know, we, I bought into all his stuff, you know, his philosophies, this and that. And, and yeah, like he, he had, he'd, you know, been there, you know, with Mike and everything. And, um, so yeah, I, you know, experience coach D we had a good group. We had Quinn, um, you know, started taking things more serious and being more professional and, you know, realizing, you know, what I wanted goals, everything like that, just everything kind of came together. What was it? What was guys, it? Go ahead, James. I was just going to say, yeah, you guys had quite the, the crew there because obviously you were working with the G at the time and was Corbin as well and then maybe Mikey at the same time too? Yeah, so Corbin started working with G just like maybe two or three months before I did. And then Mikey was done working with G when I started working with him. Um, and then Mikey had kind of came back at some point um, a few years later. But but yeah, it was mainly just me and Corbin at the beginning. What was it like training at the center? Like good old days, like 2009 or eight or 10, whenever you guys were all there living together, that must've been so much fun. It was fun, but it was also, it was kind of a nightmare. I mean, we didn't <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, as you know, like we do whatever we want, get in trouble. We didn't take things seriously. Um, there was no ABA track there. There was nothing to do. Like the first year when I moved in in 09 with Chris Fox, like we had nothing to do. There was no guidance. I mean, King King did a, a you know decent job. He probably didn't care too much. I mean, he had just done pretty well in Beijing. It's the following year. Like, you know, we just, yeah, just a lot of wasted time probably. Um, but then, yeah, and then, Things got better. Um, me and Nick lived together. Yeah, just kind of slowly started figuring stuff out. And we were all figuring, you know, stuff out. You know, we had, we didn't know how to use all the access we had. You know, we weren't getting massages. We weren't, you know, just, we weren't using everything. And so things got easier over time. The first time I went to the center was in 2009. We went for a camp for like a week with the national team. And I was so jealous you guys had that center and could live there. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I know. And I, I did too. Um, like I was super excited to move there and thought it was going to be, you know, everything and more, but it just, it was hard. Like, you know, you had that, you know, maybe that guidance from, you know, team Canada. We just didn't, you know, we had private coaches or like I was working with PH and, you know, I'd go in the gym and it was so intimidating. You know, I didn't really know how to work out properly yet. Um, you know, PH, you know, he'd be having us do some, some weird stuff that <laughs> yeah. like, you'd be embarrassed, embarrassed to be doing, <laughs> you know, especially if uh, you don't really know what you're doing yet. Um, so yeah, other than that, I mean, it was cool to be able to ride your bike, but like I said, we only had the one track. Hmm. Makes a good point about like the training thing is like, yeah, a lot of young people, like when you don't have guidance or you don't have someone there helping, like it's, it is, it's really intimidating getting in the gym and like, trying to learn these exercises around, especially I can imagine around like top athletes from you, like at the center, that'd be really intimidating at first. Oh yeah. And I mean, especially at the time, like we're, we're going in there and we're wearing bands, you know, we don't have squat shoes, like <laughs> that squat, you know, we're vans. wearing head, <laughs> headbands, like 
he could not look the part and and I think we kind of felt that too like you know we probably got some criticism and stuff and uh, this you know this sport doesn't need to be here like this or not like we definitely were feeling that you know from time to time and we were young and didn't know how to train and so yeah that kind of stuff what kind of what kind of shenanigans can you tell us about from the center that's a pro, like that can be told on air? <laughs> <laughs> um, Wasn't there something see. with you guys doing like laps around the track on like a mountain bike or something? Or was that different? Well, I think of something different. <laughs> no, that. So yeah, we made this video one time. I remember like the video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Team I'd America, so, right? Yeah, I'd be so embarrassed <laughs> to, to look back at that video. Um, but yeah, we're like, we're riding down the stairs, you know, we would modify these, there'd be all these mountain bikes, you know, that didn't belong to anybody and we'd be modifying them, throwing crazy bars on them, riding them down the stairs. And yeah, just looking at back at that time, like it was pretty fun, but we were kind of taking advantage of the center and like our access there. And like, that was a, you know, and then whatever, we got in trouble like shortly after that, you know, where we got kicked out for a while. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like that was a, that was like a huge turning point for me. Um, like that was a blessing in disguise. Like I learned how to appreciate the center after that. And like nothing was the same after that. Like that place was meant more to me than it ever had. And, uh, so yeah, we kind of had to, you know, go through that to come out of the other side but um so that worked out <laughs> that worked out good but like as far as like good stories i mean that story that i just brought up that we don't need to go into detail that's got to be the best story that <laughs> <laughs> people are going to be <laughs> so there. curious listening that i have no idea <laughs> yeah um but yeah nothing, nothing too crazy i mean the occasional overnight guest that I mean, wasn't allowed. Attaboy. Um, Attaboy. Yeah. Want to see the center? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What was, uh, what was something difficult for you to overcome in in your career? You had a really successful one, but, uh, everyone goes through difficult times or, you know, struggles in their career. What was something that you had to go through and overcome that made you better? Oh, that's a good question. I know. I'm full, I'm full of them, baby. Show 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you've done this a time or two, huh? Um, so- what's that, James? Were you going to say something? I was going to say, side note, I'm definitely going to show the Team USA video because I just found it. We should, post, <laughs> hey, we should post it on it. Let's post it on Coffee Chatter this week. Oh, it's it's most definitely getting posted. <laughs> yeah, we're posting on Coffee oh, Chatter man. this week. Oh, what a classic. I do something at the very end where I'm like, playing a fake guitar and I don't want to see that but uh, <laughs> um, I don't you know I, I was really lucky I didn't have many injuries um, yeah you did seem like, pretty healthy re- huh yeah like I didn't I really didn't have many injuries at all I had a couple of things where Crazy. like I'd have some tears like from overuse like because I I didn't ever get injured and didn't ever have to take time off so I kind of wore down some some ligaments or this or that. Um, so that's, you know, I don't have anything there. Um, I don't know. I would say like, like one thing that was kind of difficult for me was that I used as motivation more than anything was like, I always had a chip on my shoulder and I kind of rode from road or trained 
from this aspect of I didn't feel as valued as maybe some of my peers or like, you know, like I, maybe I wasn't G's guy, maybe Corbin was G's guy or, you know, Connor had this or Maris had, you know, I was kind of, I played second fiddle to, it seemed like a lot of people. And I used that like unbelievably for motivation and never in a bad way. Like I never looked down on people thinking they owed me this or that, but that was like, like a huge driving force of, you know, what got me out of bed and just what lit my fire kind of. I think it's true. Like, I think you weren't probably in the spotlight that you could have been in for sure because you were always in mains and on podiums and had big wins, but it seemed like other guys. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. I think that was good to use for motivation for you probably. Yeah. And, and I also, at the same time, I understand that like, you know, looking back, like, I didn't think I was like better than Cor- Corbin or Connor or this or that, you know, like I just, uh, this is something I kind of created in my head that yeah. worked for me. Yeah. I mean, you got the other, like someone like Connor too is very flashy and the way he rides his bike is very like unique. So when someone like you is just kind of a horse and like, I wouldn't say you're the most stylish rider. Like, yeah, you kind of run, goes under the radar a little bit. Yeah. I got, I got the low key like results that, you only see on paper. And all of a sudden, you look back and you realize, like, shit, look at all those podiums. Yeah, like the spotlights on Connor <laughs> yeah. or someone, and all of a sudden you have big days on the podium too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take it. What do you think's changed from when you were racing to now that you've noticed? Like, do you still do you still watch the races and everything, or do you kind of just are you do you not? No, I'm a fan. I watch. It's difficult to watch. Um, I, I listen to Mike uh, Mike Day's podcast with you guys, and I'm I'm in the same boat as he is. Yeah. You know, it's hard to catch everything. Um, and like, I want to watch Nick and I want to watch, you know, my guys, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely watching, you know, for them, you know, I might tune out a little bit and end up catching some highlights or something, but, but yeah, I'm watching. Um, but as far as like what's changed, I, I don't know. I'm not very connected and I don't get much information from anything like anybody, but just from watching like, uh, and this, this would have even kind of started when, towards the end of, uh, when I was racing, there's just, there's so many young kids and they're also going on their bike and you could get passed by anybody from South America. Like there's just, there's so many good people. Um, the depth I would say is, it seems like the depth is pretty good, even though I don't really know who they are, but <laughs> yeah, the yeah. depth, the depth is re- it's really deep now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the motos didn't used to be nearly as hard at World Cups compared to now. Well, yeah, and like 2016, like I, w- I would always have to race those uh, the pre motos or whatever, and like yeah. those were hard. <laughs> I know yeah. like, those I was, weren't easy at all. I, like I was blown out. Like I didn't have enough <laughs> gas to. I, I wasn't making the main because <laughs> I did race those laps against all these dudes that were you know pretty good. Did you always- it was just stressful too, because like, yeah, they only took like because of how many riders were in them. You had to have like nine points to qualify. Like you had to have a low score. You have to be fast in the track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love that. Yeah. Did you uh, did you always like after after London, like the last years of your career? Did you always have in mind that you would try and go for Rio, and then if it didn't work out, you retire? Or I I told people over and over that I wasn't gonna like 
try to go for Rio. I, I didn't think I would race that long. Oh, really? Um, I, I don't know why I, I thought that, to be honest. Um, and then, like, 2013 and 14, I think, were two of the better years I ever had. Like, 12, 13, and 14. Um, so I was like, oh, hey, yeah, let's keep this rolling. Um, so then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in for the next two years. But, um, but no, like, right after London, I, I definitely didn't think I was going to try to do another one. Did you uh, did you like riding the flat hill over the supercross hill? Because we were talking before, and like the way your gate form was and where your power was, I always thought of you as kind of like the the small hill guy. Like you could just annihilate people on a small hill, but even on the supercross hill, you made your form work, and you'd you'd like blow blow by people down the hill. Did you like one over the other? I'm, a, I'm about to light this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> He, he did like that shit up that day. Um, so Supercross for me, like it kind of like rejuvenated my career in a way. Like it made me nervous. Um, like I'm, I want to say Supercross. Like I was, I prefer Supercross, but then, you know, like I'm an ABA kid. Like I, I loved racing Rockford and like all the tracks that people hated because they suited me. But, uh, no, just Supercross brought, like, I don't think I would have raced as long as I did had there not been Supercross. Like, it, it kept that, um, it was intimidating and scary in, like, every possible good way for me. Um, you know, it, it got my, my blood boiling and, and then just, you know, racing the, the local ABA races just weren't quite like that. But, you know, I feel like going there to ABA and getting like a good result and it was easier, easier weekend, this and that, but yeah. Dave Herm, the ABA kid Rockford was made. <laughs> Rockford was made for you. Oh man. I wish the grounds was at Rockford. <laughs> put, the wor- put, put the worlds at Rockford. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Put the world champs at Rockford. We got a return of the Herminator. <laughs> I think, uh, like 2007, I won. Like when we used to race three mains, I won my first my rookie pro season. I won one lap at Rockford, and it was like with Kyle and and Randy. And I was like, like that. Like still to this day, I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Like to beat those guys on that track, and you know, yeah, it suited me. But you know, what I was into, kind of. Yeah, I always thought your pull on like from the bottom of the from the bottom of like on an ABA track, for instance, the bottom of the hill to the first jump. You're so super fast. I think you're one of the fastest guys probably from that region. Yeah. I, I saw a couple questions, you know, I, I don't know if you'll get to those, but you know, it's just, uh, you know, I was, I, I raced at 155, 150, you know, and I was pretty strong. So I think that's why, you know, I, I could just get it moving pretty quick and, uh, you know, maybe not my first pedal, but, uh, but yeah, just, I ran a little bit bigger gear and got her moving. How did you uh, get your gate form? Like, did you did you get taught from somewhere, or just found what works for you? It was a bit because it was fairly unique. Yeah, no, I mean, to, so I I imagine I probably kind of created a new gate form after slingshotting. Like, I don't think I did the same start when I was fourteen that I did when I you know was elite. Like, I probably switched things up, and I just did what came naturally. You know, I, I didn't, you know, the second time around. Um, I didn't try to like create this new gate that I wanted or anything. 
it was just, uh, ooh, and we didn't have a lot of time. Um, you know, I, I think raced the grams at slingshot and then went to Reno like a month and a half later. And I probably didn't do a single gate in Colorado in between then. And yeah, like got up in the gate and, and, uh, yeah, just did just whatever came naturally. That's intense. But like talking about like even your, um, your gearing and like you talked about a little bit of bike setup too. Um, did you, well, first of all, I had Sylvan messaging. He's like saying something about, uh, what gear was it? A 3914. Like, did you like running the smaller, uh, gear combos, like a 3914 versus like nowadays people love to run a 4918. Yeah. And I was never like, you know, gear ratios, crank length, anything like that. Like that was never any part of what I thought about. I didn't know much about that stuff. Um, and that's just like, I, I ran 39.14 as an amateur and then I just continued to run it. I think, like I said, in 2009, I started switching with some switching up gears and chain length and stuff and things just were not working. Um, so I just went back to what was working and like, I know there's like philosophies behind the smaller rings and the bigger rings. And to be honest, I don't even, I have no idea what they are. <laughs> like it's just, uh, I like it. Like it's just what felt good. And I, I was definitely more of a feel guy. Like I didn't train with timers. Um, you know, in the gym, I didn't have any of those you know, mechanical things that would tell me how fast the weight's moving. Just, yeah, just everything was feel for me. Yeah. I liked going off field too. I was a big feel guy too. Um, that might be one thing that is changed is like, I think more people are, there's probably not too many people going off feel anymore. No, but I think, uh, it's, I think it's really now. good. Like, especially, especially for track work and stuff. I think going by feel is the best. Yeah. Now I mean, if you're doing a session yeah, with yeah. the timers, it's like, what am I doing out there? I know, but I think, yeah. I don't know. I was always a big feel guy for sure. Especially with track work. Like I could feel when something was off or feel when something was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got a James. You got anything else before we get into quick shots? We got a bunch for Dave. We do. I was just going to quickly ask him about like uh, his teams because you rode, I guess, for Answer on the amateur days, switched to Intense, and then kind of rode for Free Agent for I would think a majority of the end of your career. What was your What was yeah. the favorite team to ride for, and why? Um. So I mean, like, I I got sponsored by Answer when I was in like sixth grade. And answer, that was answer a, bmx.com baby get today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like nothing will ever beat that feeling. Like that was like a dream come true. And, you know, all the, everything that came after that, yeah, cannot be, you know, what that felt like for me at that time. Um, it was awesome riding for Intense. That was like the first time I got, you know, I was getting a check, getting stuff paid for. And then Pete Deluski was, I learned a lot from him. He was fun to travel with. Um, pessimistic Pete as people like to call him. But, uh, <laughs> but him, him, him and I, like we had a good, uh, you know, we went back and forth pretty good and yeah, we, we traveled well together. Um, and then free agent was just like a business, you know, um, very corporate. Yeah. And that was such a good sponsor. Like they, I don't even know that they cared that much about anything, you know, <laughs> Am I getting another call from No, I, I accidentally clicked a FaceTime video. For, just ignore it. Oh. I don't know if you can decline it, but <laughs> I accidentally clicked it. <laughs> How the fuck do you... 
Is there a way to stop yeah. stop the video without it? Oh, yeah. We hung up. Oh, you got you got yeah. dicking around over no, there. No, he hung up. Me, I'm calling back. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> hang on, people. We're getting them back. Hang on. Hang on. We're getting back. Hang on. Pause on the show. Yeah, we're getting back. Just like in life right now, just take a quick pause. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's back. He's back. <laughs> I'm back. Whoops. Um, but yeah, just yeah, free agent was awesome. There, we could do whatever we wanted, and they had the money for it, so that was nice. Right on. All right. Well, uh, All right. we'll get into some quick shots for you, Dave. All right. You know the quick shots are. I do. Oh, attaboy. Attaboy. See, this, James, this is the best test to see if someone's listened. <laughs> <laughs> I like this Half test. Half the time, people just go like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, though. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes I'm curious, like, I feel like these people that are on here that they don't know, like, I think they're bullshitting. Like, they know. <laughs> they must know. Yeah, they must. They know. Come on, they know. Come on, you know. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, what do we got? Okay, from at Suleiman personal preference on gears and handlebar position um yeah i just ran the 39 14 just because it felt good i ran custom bars for like seven years like the last seven years s&m would always make me bars every year and they were like what were they i don't know they were pretty flat they're, they're nothing special i mean they weren't like nick flat but then they weren't like S and M slam bars or anything. They were <laughs> pretty standard. And I, I ran my bars like a, a little bit forward, but yeah, a boy, a little Chicago. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> this is not a quick shot, but did you guys get to uh, choose your like, custom colors when you're on the intense team? That was all Pete. He, uh, oh, okay. yeah, he, he, and it was usually like color coordinated with like that energy drink company that we were sponsored by, you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, from Nick Kimmon, he says, why did you often pick middle lanes even with an early lane choice? Good question. So that was always strategy to me. It was like I enjoyed the strategy of picking lanes just before the race. Like that was something I liked to do. It didn't make me nervous. Um, and so like if I thought I could beat the guy that's picking two picks from now, like I'm going to pick where I think he's going to pick. Um, and then, yeah, like, it, so it was all confidence. You know, like, it's tough to start in between Nick and Joris or Nick and whoever, you know. Like, you know, going back to what I said about Adelaide, just put me next to someone that I feel confident in starting next to. Yeah, I think it's often overlooked, but it's really important and strategic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there were times where I, I didn't do that, and and I mentally probably – mess myself up like thinking like oh i got this guy today yeah but, yeah yeah not the case um from at justin mcclintock let's hear about the scooter story the weekend of deke's wedding <laughs> this is a, a pretty good one but um yeah so i was kind of hosting everyone showing everyone around <laughs> we're we're partying and we come back to my house and i have like a scooter like a vessel scooter and it's uh you know like we take it out and, um, you know, I'm riding it with like Joe Zurich and we end up dumping it in a lake. Like we go, it's yeah, dumping <laughs> snow, <laughs> like fully submerged underwater in a lake. Oh my God. It's freezing out. So we buzz it back to the house. <clears throat> We're doing donuts in the backyard, like with just our underwear on. And, uh, and, and it's like the, the muffler is just smoking cause it's been underwater. 
And so I, I bring it in my house and I'm like riding it all around my house and it's just smoking up a storm. Oh my and Matt, Matt Baisley is sleeping on my couch and it is not waking up at all. And I've got it just pinned right in his, in his face. 7,000 RPM moment, in the living room. Just smoking him out. And he never woke up. And it was, it was pretty funny. Oh, that's all time. Yeah. Uh, do another one from Nick Long. He just says, best Nick and Dave story. I, I thought he said this. Yeah. I mean, I went over quite a few in his little speech for the wedding. Um, uh, yeah, your see. speech, your speech at the wedding was really good. Thank you, man. It's, uh, it's like doing a, a one page book report on like a 10,000 page book. No kidding. You know? Yeah. You got to squeeze it all in. Um, we had a, I mean, we've been to Columbia together a couple times for races that weren't serious. So oh, that oh was boy. a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we had this fun story in, in France where we met these girls and uh, Nick, Nick meets these girls on the beach bring like say hey these girls want to like they want to go out tonight go on a date so we take these girls out this is like 2009 you know early you know we're going out we're having a good time you know drinking wine eating pasta like having a good time with these complete strangers like at a world cup you know like we're going on a random date i like it I love and, uh, it. so we we bring them back to our hotel room they're going to stay the night or else they have to take a train but our the front desk person will not let these girls stay like we get him up into our room. He keeps on knocking on our door. Like, you know, he's, he's speaking French. Like we can hardly understand him. Like, and we keep just like shutting the door. Like acting like we don't understand. <laughs> and uh, like, Only it in gets France. to a point where it gets to a point where like we're answering the door and we're all in our underwear. And like, he's, he's telling us like, we're, I'm going to call your manager. Like he knows that we're with my King. And uh, we're like, we don't care. Like, I'll call him. Like, he's not going to get mad at us. And uh, it, I don't know. He ends up like threatening to call the police. These girls leave. Um, what a dick! Like that was just that was just a fun story because it was like times like that would never happen again. You know, where things were just so relaxed and chill. You know, just the World Cup races were never going to be that way again. You know. Yeah, just you're over there, just not a care in the world. Yeah, like going on a date with these random chicks, and <laughs> yeah, those are good old days. Oh, the, oh, oh best, good old days. Those are the best. best. Part. Yeah, yeah. This is why I love Nick, though. He's uh, you know, we're up in the room, and I, I'm telling him like, "Hey, do you mind if I have the hot one?" And he's like, "Yep, that's all you. That's all you." <laughs> oh, it's like, what's wrong with? There's nothing wrong with doing that, though. Like, you don't have to be in your in your room just l- watching BMX videos all day. Yeah. So Nick, Nick, uh, he's always been a, a good friend to me. Was that a fr- that was Frey Juice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, good old Frey Juice. So that's Is my that's my next year. the next year. Um, no, that would have been 2009. And then I won the, what, 2008 race. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from, yeah, I thought it was you. I'm on Chris Chu BMX. What was your most memorable, memorable BMX racing win? And where was it? I think it would have been something I, I already mentioned, 
I didn't win, like winning the points for the um, Olympic team qualification. Like that was the most memorable, important thing to me. And then, I mean, other than that, like I didn't have any crazy wins. You know, I won a few ABA races and then, you know, that, um, the Adelaide race, I, I guess, like that was so early in my career, but to think that that was the most memorable, like probably isn't the case, but it just, it opened the doors for, um, you know, everything else that came after it. So I, I guess that's it. Uh, this one's from Justin Posey. He said, Oh, you would read, could- you would read this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to, if you could play around with Tiger Woods, but had to perform the golden spigot, whatever that, you got to tell us about that in front of 100 strangers. Would you do it? So that's a no brainer. I'd easily do that. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the golden spigot, it's, I mean, it's, it is what it is, but, uh, <laughs> I think we probably saw it somewhere in Europe, but like we pull it, like me or Nick pulled up to a urinal one time and we look over and this guy like looks at us and starts pissing in his mouth. And, uh, that just what became our, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> is that when you like lie yeah. on your back, right? So that's, that's like uh expert level, but <laughs> like the OG <laughs> original. So, so where was the guy peeing in his mouth? <laughs> just like standing at the urinal. Where was this? like at a race in Europe, like Copenhagen or something. This is at like an after party. And it was just like a random person. I think like, not a BMX. <laughs> what a psychopath. <laughs> something you, well, I mean that we took it and ran with it. So <laughs> that, that's what's it. <laughs> oh my God. That's pretty savage. Uh, he just does it like in a public bathroom, two random dudes walk in and he just whips it out. I know that's uh wow. That's, yeah. But yeah, no, I would easily I'm doing that. Um, uh, let's see. Okay. If you had to be trapped in quarantine with one BMXer, who would it be? Just one. I mean, it'd be Nick. Um, I mean, that's a small list of people for me right now. Like, <laughs> it would just be like a couple of people to choose from. It'd just be all my friends. But, uh, but yeah, no, Nick, I mean, uh, the best thing about him and I is we would, we could, find something to do like in any situation and yeah. like yeah. create a story out of it. And there's something we were good at with our friendship. Uh, who was your toughest competitor? Um, I would say like during that Olympic run, like I love like racing Connor um, and just, and not just racing him, but like being around him at the, center through that whole year and and just you know I, we respected each other we we wanted to well I mean he beat me all the time it's hard to beat him but like I don't know yeah just there's something about him I mean he was on another level and he was I guess in a way he was kind of intimidating or he, he acted intimidating around the training center and it was it was just kind of fun to like do that on a daily basis you know, it, it made the mindset, you know, at a camp, like really fun throughout the entire week. Um, so yeah, just, yeah, just being on Connor's level for, for a short amount of time, like that was fun. What was your favorite place to race or race to go to or yeah, favorite place to race or favorite race in general? 
I'll do uh, I'll do maybe two here. Um, but I, I like Spray Juice. Like that was my favorite trip to go on. That was cool. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like whatever place I liked, like there's a better chance I was going to do good there. So, you know, that all that stuff kind of aligned with, with that place. And then, uh, I love this photo. That was like my favorite race to go to. Um, <laughs> and that was always like in March when things were kind of starting to click for me. And like, that was like the start of my year. So just a lot of good things kind of started. <laughs> not, not a popular, um, track to pick, but yeah. You and Sam had a battle that one year because you guys were just horsing that first straight. I remember. I can't remember what year it was. 2013, yeah. The 13? Yeah. Yeah, that was savage. Yeah. Uh, Sam was good that year. Yeah. <laughs> was there a year he wasn't good? <laughs> uh, especially that year when he rattled off all his wins. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you could put one racer over the turn in a semifinal, who would it be? Uh, while you think of this answer, I got to say a fuck you to Nick because he said he'd put me over the turn. Nick, I'm going to T-bone you next time I see you. <laughs> old Jimmy old Jimmy T-bone. <laughs> <laughs> I watched your thing. Damn. I laughed. Nick, I'm coming for you. Oh, yeah. By the way, Dave, <laughs> Dave, good question for our uh, mine and Nick's live. That was a really good question. You know, I tried to go back and watch it, but um, since it's on your story, it disappeared. Like, I caught half of your guys' interview, then I went back to watch it, and it was gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was long too. It was like an hour probably. Really? Um, I would put Jared Garcia over a turn without <laughs> a doubt. Old Jetty Bear. He, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. uh, man, we like, I love that guy. We're, we're buddies and uh, we would just have, we would just die laughing if that happened. <laughs> What's not to like about Jetty? No. I know. He's the best. All right. Last question for you. What's, uh, What's one thing you don't miss about BMX now that you're retired? One thing you maybe didn't like doing and you don't miss now? Um, let's see. Like, I love training. Like, I loved everything about training. There was nothing I didn't, you know, like. So, none of that stuff, really. So, I fucking hated going to races and, like, there was bad weather. Oh, really? And, like... Like I, I rode terrible in any weather. Like if it was windy, I was bad. If it was rainy, I was bad. Like, and, and so without like acknowledging, like acknowledging that, like in the moment, like I still tried to be positive, but like looking back and like looking at the data, if you will, um, I should have just went home every time the wind picked up. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I hated traveling to Europe and then having like a terrible weekend because of weather. Yeah. That's fair. All right, man. Um, yeah. You got one more, I got, James? I, got to, I just got to ask Herm one more question. So I told the story, Herm, at the beginning of the show, uh, like way back in the day, I was at Greg's house when you were training with Greg, I guess. I think Corbin was there too. And like I was there overlapping time when you guys, I was leaving, you guys were just showing up, I think. And I told the story about like my phone went off in like the middle of the night because we were bunking in the same room or something. And I didn't wake up and I woke <laughs> up to you t- asking me like, is that your alarm, bro? Like, are you going to get that? <laughs> And we just had a good laugh about it. I don't know if you remember that. I, I think now that you say that, I remember it. I remember we went to that. Was that when we went to the hockey game? Like that trip? Yeah. Yeah, that was the time. Yeah, yeah. I, you had an alarm go off in the middle of the night? <laughs> yeah. How does yeah. that even happen? <laughs> That's why I don't even know. But I, I thought I'd ask because I was like, 
fuck, I don't know why I remember this, but I think because I remember because I thought it was a big deal because there was like it was you and it was like I was obviously a fan and whatnot. So yeah, and, you, and then you're like, oh my god, I get to see David in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember like sharing that what that down downstairs room. I think. I yeah, think so. I, yeah, yeah. I remember. I don't remember that uh, that wake up call, but uh, but that's a good thing. I, 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 I believe you. And David, I told this story about when we got into the gate in Argentina in 2014. I think I was in lane five and you were in six. And we got in for the main and you had a flat tire. So we all pulled off and you went and got it fixed and came back up. Dude, just to, let me add to this real quick. So that was when you had 20 mil um, front axle, right? And Barry just threw his off onto mine. And I, I needed like a quarter inch spacer. So he throws his in and like my I'm missing a quarter inch spacer. So my front wheel, like we're, the cadence is about to start. And I'm like, fuck, I don't have that spacer in there. No way. And, <laughs> Seriously. Really? And like, fuck. yeah, yeah. I remember whatever crossing the finish line and I screamed as loud as I possibly could. I was so angry, like not at anyone in particular, but like to fly all the way to Argentina to make the main and to feel good, you know, like whatever, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm pulling. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I was so so mad. So do you, um, when you got in the gate, was it like moving or, or yeah, like it was like, fuck, it was like I didn't tighten my stem is what the first thing that came to mind. I was like, Oh my God, someone loosened my stem. Um, fuck. Oh uh, dude, I didn't know uh, that. That sucks. Yeah. I man, was, man, I feel bad. I feel bad for you. <laughs> we were literally just talking about like, that would suck if you showed up and couldn't race the final. Oh, that, that basically happened. Man, I feel bad for you. That's God. That's an awful feeling. That, yeah. That was a nightmare. Um, Although I was in lane five with Liam and four and you and six. So I'm kind of glad you didn't get out to be honest. <laughs> Cause I ended up on the podium I'm, that day. So I'm, you, you know, you got the assist on my podium though. We'll put it that way. Oh, nice. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you could take advantage of that. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. I, but I remember you like specifically you got in the gate and like checked your tire and I saw my peripherals and you're like, fuck and pull off the gate. <laughs> yeah. I remember Liam was really cool. He was like, yeah, take your time, man. Like we're, we're all tired and like, yeah, no rush. He, he, he was pro in that situation. Yeah. I thought, um, I thought it was cool. How everyone backed off and like, no one was going to go until you were ready and everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. It was uh, really co- cool to hear your story. Yeah. Thanks guys. And, uh, well, you guys are really my only source of, uh, BMX media these days. So we'll try and keep know, it I up. Quite a, I listen quite a bit and you guys are doing a good thing and, yeah, keep up the good work. Yeah, dude, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Oh, first Appreciate of all, b- before you leave, how's the golf game right now, dude? It's actually so it's pretty good. Um, I played eighteen yesterday, which like I don't want to be shamed for during this uh, this virus and all, but you know, golf is one thing that kind of we're able to do right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty safe. Um, no, it's really safe. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, you, it's, you don't touch anything. You're out there by yourself. Yeah, yeah. So. It's, it does feel kind of weird though. Cause you show up at the course. And yeah. like, there's, there's more people there than there is like at the grocery store. And stuff, but, uh. <laughs> well, but I will say like when you're at the course, even if there's people like in the practice area or whatever, everyone walks so far apart. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to play, like it's easy to make the excuse that it's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, no, like my, I'm better than I was at the end of last summer right now. So like I'm pretty stoked. Like you're- things are, I'm, I'm still lowering my score, which I'm happy about. Yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah, yeah. We were, we were yeah. saying we, should, we all need to get out and play. That'd be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I I was hoping to like do a San Diego trip. Like I was thinking there was going to be like an Olympic trials and everything. Like little did I know there's not even going to be one anyway. But like, yeah, <laughs> try to pick a time where like when we're all down there and like all come down and you know we'll all, you know get around in with people like when there's a camp going on. Like that was what I was thinking, but. But uh, we'll we'll put that on the books sometime. Yeah, we will. I wouldn't mind going to Colorado too. It looks like there's some super nice courses in Colorado. We've got some good stuff. It's pretty pricey here. Um, yeah, I bet. Yeah. According to Joe Zurich, like you know, he's pretty. He used to live in California. Like, yeah, it's, it's pricey. San Diego's like really cheap. I mean, you could go to like the really nice ones that are a couple hundred bucks around, but the regular ones are like thirty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is cheap there. I'm here on a golf trip in the future. Golf trip. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> send, send me up. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks a lot for coming on and thanks for listening. It was good to talk to you, buddy. You too, guys. Nice right. to hear from you. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you thanks, soon. Thanks, Herb. Later, boy. Later. Later. David fucking Herman. The fucking Hermanator right there. Uh, oh, what got his ass now? <laughs> man, he's, he was good, eh? He was so fast. Uh, he really was. It's crazy how, like, he had so much success right to start his career off. Like, I must have been tough at the same time because, like, how do you back that up? Like, a World Cup win in, like, you're basically a rookie year. Yeah. That must I, have been so tough. I always thought it was cool to race him. Like, he was, like, four years older than me in amateur. So, I always kind of looked up to, like, him and his age group in amateur. And then to race him in double A and stuff, I, I always thought it was cool to line up next to him and race him. I, I really liked racing him. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, too, I was a, I was a big fan. Uh, he was definitely one of my idols, like just to watch. He was just so powerful off the start. Yeah, he like, was. Yeah, he made a good point. Like he, he really was. He was pretty overshadowed, in my opinion, because yeah, he was. The dude was in so many mains, so many podiums, like on the USA BMX circuit, the World Cup circuit. Like he was there when it counted. He was always a top guy, but he never really got like a spotlight. Yeah, yeah. I always thought like, like if I ever, whenever I got to beat him or something, I always thought it was pretty cool that I beat David just because he was so fast. Yeah, and I mean yeah, I that. Could yeah, so. and I mean that in like the most complimentary way because he obviously beat me a lot too. But like if mm-hmm. I if I beat him in whatever, I always thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I get that totally. I always like when you were talking about like doing having to do those uh, pre race days for the World Cups. He was almost he was one of those guys. I was like I felt bad for having to race that because I was like, do you guys know like how fast this guy is? Why is he racing the pre motos? Like <laughs> I know he's one of those guys. Yeah, he's in the pre motos. You're like, what the fuck is he doing in the pre motos? <laughs> yeah, he, like just he should be out of the next day. Like, like he's d- gonna be in the main anyway. Like, like dude, <laughs> you've won a couple World Cups. What are you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, so that was pretty crazy. That's yeah, cool. To talk um, to him. Yeah, he's uh he's been away from the BMX scene for a while. I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear about hear his story and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. He's pretty quiet. Like, he's not a big social media guy either. So, no, yeah, um, yeah. Give people a chance to kind of hear his whole story now because this is his official retirement podcast. His official one. <laughs> it was yeah. cool. I, I got to hang out with him a bit at Sam's bachelor party and then at the wedding, at Nick's wedding. It was, yeah, it's cool. He's always a cool guy to talk to. Yeah, really fun. I like really his uh, I like his mentality. Like at the races, he was always really calm and focused and did his thing. I think uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people can learn from that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, I liked how we talked about his strategy with the lane pick. Yeah, uh, I think that's really smart too. I, I, I got away from that um, the past couple of years, I think, and kind of started to want to do that a little more because it made me feel better. And like, prime example, him right there. Like, he knew that okay, if I go out here, I can get my start in and I can feel confident in what I'm doing. Yeah, and a lot of time it's like you got to go where you're feeling confident. Even some like some days or some mm-hmm. some races for whatever. 
I was probably like, I would pick lane. F- like I remember some races I would just keep picking lane four, even if I was mm-hmm. fast enough to get a two or three or whatever, I would just pick four with like second pick just to give myself more room. And mm-hmm. from the outside, it might look like, dude, why are you picking four? But then you don't know what's going on inside. Like when Willers, when Willers first started doing well at the world cups too, he was fast enough to get on, on the inside, but he's just more comfortable coming from six. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, if you're feeling something one day, just fucking roll with it. Like you don't have to, Honestly, yeah. you don't have to pick something just cause it's open or whatever. Or just because it seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. Like, like throw the textbook away and just go by feel. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. And I was just thinking about his 2014 world. So when obviously you, you podium, but his hill time, he was the Dude. fastest hill time. Oh my like, God. He, he lit up that he hill. Murdered that. Absolutely murdered. It. Why is it when him and Maris and these guys do these incredible hill times at these races? I'm the one next to them. <laughs> Like, Every why time. the fuck does this happen? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> why Every am I the time. guy next to them? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> You're the guy that just gets lit up. And why? Realize. Why am I the guy, the pawn just getting lit up? <laughs> and you could have had like an amazing gate, but nobody will know. It's so unfair. Like, you oh, like, thankfully I hit the gate there anyway. So I wasn't getting out. I didn't get out in the main anyway, but yeah. I, it wouldn't have mattered if I came out. I would have gotten cut off so bad anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably better oh, I hit the gate. Tough, Maybe I had a bit more space. <laughs> You'd have to bump elbows or get really pinched at the bottom. Yeah, but fuck, he, he, God, he got out that round. Holy. Yeah, he did, hey? Yeah. When he was on, man, he was he was on. Yeah, honestly, yeah, he really was, hey? Like, when he was on, he wasn't just on. He was probably the fastest guy there. Yeah. Like down those the, years down, even in- yeah, down the hill anyway and off to the first corner. Yeah, those, those years he won Chula or he podiumed to Chula. I'd love to see the times of the first straight and the hill. Like I know there was like, he whole shotted like a bunch of the races, there, quarters or semis. Like he was flying at those races. And I know Connor won both of them, but um, I'd love to see the times, like just to see how fast he was to the hill to the, yeah. to the first turn and whatnot. When he, when he was on at those races, he, I'm sure he was a fast guy to the first jump. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, shit. Anything else before we wrap, wrap this up? I am most definitely going to share this, uh, the team USA video. Yeah, it's, uh, we're absolutely going to share it on Coffee Chat this week. Oh hell yeah, it's hilarious! Oh uh, yeah, I, I remember watching it, and when you when you when you said story, like that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, it was the first thing I started thinking yeah. of too. So. Yeah, definitely, we'll post that on Chatter this week. Maybe yeah, yeah we'll post, but maybe Wednesday. What do you think? Wednesday? Yeah, well, it'll be the yeah, day after we post the show. So yeah, we'll post it Wednesday. And we got two shows again this week. We got another show at the end of this week. Hmm. Um. So yeah, right on. We're just keeping people entertained during these times. Yep. That's, we're content yeah. people. Big, big content guys. I'm a Tori's huge a big content, guy. content guy. Like maybe, the, <laughs> like maybe the biggest ever. <laughs> My favorite part about your video, by the way, was just the, um, you know how you pick the photo for the video? Yeah. Like it's the, the bicep curl. One. <laughs> <laughs> the I know. I was originally going to do the one of me walking away in front of the Toyota, but then, you know, like when you look through on your video and like the thumbnails come up. Yeah, the yeah, bicep one was, and I was like, "Fuck, Scott, it's I gotta pick this one." You got to; it's hilarious. Because then that people know, like, if they're on my profile, they see that, and it's just like, "Well, what's this? What's that thing all about?" It and looks it's just, hilarious. It so just yeah. looks, yeah, it's just the best one for sure. Yeah. Um. Thanks to ProGate Europe. David lit up a whole bunch of ProGate Europe. So any winning starts the Great Gate, and he had a bunch. He had a bunch of those, and uh, shout out to Motorsheets.com. I mean, get your time and scoring, baby, and get your merch, baby. Get your merch. Timing and speaking of timing and scoring, our, our boy Dave wasn't a big time trial guy. No. Nope. I laugh I, I laugh so hard when he's like, if there was a medal, 
I just noticed the lap. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny because like some races, he'd literally qualify like 30-something and then like win. Or yeah, be on the podium or in the main. Like he was probably just, he probably just, you know, just do your lap, get around, qualify, and then whatever. Yeah, racers race, baby. Yeah, he was, he was a total racer. Yeah, that was cool. All right. Thanks, David Herman, for coming on. Thanks for listening, people. We'll, uh, we'll see you for the second show this week. Later, guys. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs>